17. Uh, if you're a member or if you frequent uh, town church, you know we're in the middle of a, a long series, a year-long series in Romans, and we find ourselves in uh, chapter 8. And, and in one sense, chapter 8 is a mini-series within a larger series. So chapter 8, we're taking five weeks to work our way through and see how significant this chapter is in Paul's letter to the church in Rome. Remember the church in Rome, full of Christian believers, but a mix. Those Jewish converts and those Gentile believers and worlds have collided. And so Paul, through the first seven chapters, has helped the Jewish converts understand the place of the law. That the law cannot and will never Bring us right before God. It can't sin. Uh, The flesh that Paul describes, that has loosened uh, the ability of the law to bring us right before God. And therefore, Paul has painstakingly helped the Jewish converts to see that only a work of God through Christ can bring them right. And for the the Gentile believer, uh, it's a, a, a welcome... A welcome thought. This is now what you're able to experience too. And it's simply through trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Sin is real. Sin reigns rampantly in the heart of anyone who doesn't trust in Jesus. But it's Jesus who does it all. He does it all. And so we find ourselves in in chapter 8. And you're very welcome. If you're joining us, if you're visiting... um, here we are in chapter 8. It is good to see you, Josh. Cara, lovely to see you back as well. Just thought uh, you uh, deserve a little mention. Don't know why, but I just caught your eye line. And it's good to see you uh, again. Do say hello to Josh uh, when you see him afterwards. But here we are in chapter 8. And verse 1 is significant. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Do you remember if you were here um, previously? Remember the picture. Here's the picture The dungeon, the darkest dungeon, the chains chained against the wall, dark and soul destroying, helpless and hopeless. Remember Terry Waite from last week, if you were here, in captivity, hopeless, in solitary confinement. Terry Waite said, I don't know how I survived captivity, but I did. And do you remember how we spun that round last week? We said, here's the message of Paul for us. I don't know how he rescued me in my captivity, but he did. The dungeon flamed with light. The gospel, the good news of Jesus got hold of my heart. And here we see the Spirit's work. No condemnation for those in Christ. No feeling of condemnation. No feeling of disapproval. And no act of condemnation. The just reward A penalty for those who are guilty. No longer mine. It's like the chains have fallen and we've seen the Spirit's work. We've seen that it's the Spirit that has done it. Verse 2 of chapter 8. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. It is the pattern of the Spirit's work. It's like a law. It's like gravity. This is what the Spirit does. He brings life. It's the Spirit's work. We saw in verses 5 to 8 that the Spirit changes the desires of believers. 
saw in verse 9 that the Spirit unites us to Christ and God. We saw there the wonder of the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ and the Spirit in and of himself. This wonderful work of the Spirit and Paul helping the readers see the Spirit. Get your head around the Spirit, Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ. It's that same Spirit and the Spirit is at work in those who believe. Remember the hoops? The hoops were significant. We had a red hoop uh, over that side uh, of the hall. We said if you're in the flesh, that is where you are. That's where your stake has been driven into the ground and the bungee rope uh, will let you come across and do good in the world's eyes, but it will always, the bungee rope, will bring you back to the stake that is sin. And remember the green hula hoop. We said that the green hula hoop was when God pulled up the stake from the world and the realm of the flesh. And he drove the stake in into the green hoop and says, now you have a new life. And so the bungee, what the bungee does is when I sin, and we'll talk more about this today. Because the stake is fast in the ground, I can't help but come back to who I am. I'm in Christ. And maybe today it's good for you uh, to think about another hoop. The blue hoop. Let's say that this is the life that we currently live in. If you're in Christ, you know that you're in the green hoop. This is firm. Stake is, is, is it's in the ground and it holds tight. You're in Christ. No condemnation now, I dread. But do you remember what we said? We veer over in sin. And so we live in this blue zone here. If you're not in Christ, if you don't trust him for forgiveness of sins, then your stake is firmly in the realm of sin. It's firmly in the realm of flesh. So any good that you do in the world's eyes, we said that's not good in God's eyes, but any good that you do in the world's eyes... Uh, you step over, but of course your bungee pulls you right back. You can't move. The, the estate that holds the bungee needs to be moved out by a higher power, which is gone and driven into the green hoop. But let's just say that 12 to 17 is the battle that goes on for the Christian in the blue hoop. When I stray out, when I, I go back to my worldly ways, when I go back to the flesh, this is what Paul is talking about. Let's go Romans 8, 12 to 17. That hopefully brings us uh, up to speed. And, and, and if you're visiting, uh, it just gives you an idea of the first few verses of Romans chapter 8. What part do we play now? That's the question uh, that Paul is trying to answer. Look at verse, sorry, verse 12 to 13 of Romans 7. I'll read it for us. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Therefore, says Paul, therefore is great. You know, we say this all the time. Whenever we see the word therefore, we have to ask the question, what is therefore, therefore? Why does Paul say therefore? We know it's a linking word. We know that Paul has, has talked much in chapter 8 about the work of the Spirit. Therefore, says Paul, because as a result of, now we see what happens, says Paul, in that one word, therefore. Therefore. We have an obligation. 
And that word obligation, it's debtor's language. I'm in debt. But not in debt to the flesh, of course. We know that. We've seen that in chapter 8. I owe the flesh absolutely nothing. It can't call in its debt of me. It can't. The flesh cannot send the heavies round to collect the debt because they have no address for me. I am not in debt to the flesh anymore. I have no obligation to the flesh anymore. But, says Paul, our obligation, I'm in debt to the spirit. The obligation is to keep living in the spirit. That's what Paul means when he says you have an obligation. What is my obligation? My obligation is to keep living in the spirit. And the verb here is continued present tense. By the spirit. See those three words? By the spirit. This is my obligation. Now. To live by the Spirit. Instead of living according to the sinful nature, we're to go to war against the sinful nature. That is the blue hoop that we live in. To go to war against the sinful nature. This is our obligation. We're in debt to the Spirit. And war does not mean a passive shrug of the shoulders and war does not mean a flimsy resistance war does not mean a token effort because verse 1 says there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus Paul isn't saying here hey this is all about kind of letting go of your responsibility and just let God he's not saying that It's not let go and let God. Now we've been saved. The language is one of being absolutely ruthless with sin. There's an obligation to, not the flesh, to live according to it. Why? Because you'll die. But to live by the Spirit. That's my obligation. I ask you, have you this week been ruthless with sin? Can I ask you, when temptation has come, when temptations come knocking, have you been absolutely ruthless as an obligation you have to the Spirit, the Spirit at work in you? Paul says, go on, go on, keep going keep doing this keep putting to death everything that the flesh desires put to death the misdeeds of the body he says keep doing it keep slaying sin there is an effort on our part effort a big effort effort it's ruthless language but you see it's never alone You get that? My effort is never alone. It's never by ourselves. In verse 13, we we see it by the Spirit. Somehow now with the Spirit within me, I've got the power and ability to fight sin. Every sin. Every old hold that the flesh had on me. I now have the power and the obligation 
to fight. The spirit subdues the flesh as he gives me the power to mortify it, to kill it, to say no. What is me? What is the spirit? That's not a question that Paul tries to answer. It's the Spirit's work, yet I've got an obligation. I've got to work hard. The language is ruthless. Kill, put to death, keep slaying sin. And you know, of course, this effort doesn't slay us. It's why 8 verse 1 is so important. No condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You know that this effort, this hard work of trying to put sin to death, you know that 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 doesn't save you, the effort. The hard work. Of course, we, we, we've got that, haven't we, from the first seven chapters of Romans. God doesn't look favourably on us because we're trying hard to fight sin. We can't gain righteousness through that. We know that. But it's the one with the renewed mind. It's the one who has been totally transformed. It's the one whose heart is now set to kill the flesh. And has the power of the spirit within them. Let's try and ground this. Either perhaps uh, of a, a sin that we all participate in. Gossiping. Are we all prone to gossip? I know I am. You've heard an outrageous rumour at the school gates. At the workplace. At the sports club. See life in the flesh. How it used to be doesn't even see a problem with passing on the rumour to someone else that you think might like to hear it. The flesh doesn't see a problem. The flesh never saw a problem to pass it on and embellish it. If we don't particularly like the person who the rumour was about. But you see, life in the spirit, hears those words at the school gate in the workplace. And, and your spirit and the spirit of Christ within you is provoked. What do I do with this now? There's a wrestle that goes on. I'd really like to tell someone this. But. And you even see the person that you'd like to tell. You'd, you'd just like a, a few words on it. Oh, you'd love to grab a coffee and, and just relay some of the things that you heard someone else tell you. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. In that moment, I've got an obligation to the spirit. In that moment, I've got the power to kill the thought. To kill the moment where I'm tempted. And then, what does Paul say? To, to live, to feel life, to feel alive. I, I take any other sin, take a sin that you've struggled with this week. Apply that same principle. Maybe you've failed, maybe you've won. Remember in those moments you've won. Spirit within you, provoke. No, don't do that. No, don't channel hot. Whatever it is. No, don't try and embellish you. Finances, your expenses, don't. 
and you wrestle with it. Oh, yeah, but I've, I've done that. Or, or, or I just quite like to. I, I feel tired. I feel it's my right. And the spirit does its work in your heart and you have an obligation to it. And you put to death that moment and you feel joy and you feel alive. Paul says it's life. But this is a battle and it's not easy. And it never is. That's where we are. We're in the blue circle. We're in the blue hoop. Life is a battle. And it's a battle because the way that I lived in the flesh is still actually quite attractive. The way that I lived there when I was not in Christ is still, still got to pull on me. In fact, it's like a, a pair of old slippers. Follow me on this. You see, look at these bad boys. They're so comfy. You know, they're so warm still, even though there's a big gaping hole there. You know, the the feeling that comes with slipping these on after a hard day's work or after a preach at town church is a good, good feeling. But... They really smell. And do you know what? They don't help my foot strike. Look at that there, the wearing of that versus that one. I'm, I'm struggling. So I know that when my foot hits the ground, it's not good for me. And do you know there's a danger of athlete's foot without socks? I never wear socks or slippers. Big danger of the spread of athlete's foot or worse. But I still like wearing them. See what Paul says, that's like the flesh. It's not that these are so manky that I just want to throw them away straight away. No, he says they're a battle. It's a battle that's going on. Uh, look, I, I've got new slippers. God, look at this box. Say hello to your new Mahabis. God, look at these bad boys. But you know, sometimes... I look and I think life in the spirit doesn't look and it it won't feel as good as life in the flesh. Even though I know that those slippers are not good for me. Even though I know that that life is not good for me. There's a pull. There's a weight. Paul says this is like sin. The slippers are like sin. These are good for you. Better for you. This brings life. Not these slippers. But this brings life, says Paul. So put to death. Don't leave them hanging around. Don't even be tempted if they're at the bottom of the closet. Oh, they look nice, those slippers. I remember the feeling of those. No, no, no. Lash them. Launch them into the bin. That's what Paul is saying, 12 to 13. Let's go 14 to 17. The spirit... Enables you to put sin to death is verses 12 to 13. And in 14 to 17, the spirit makes you a child of God. Let me read uh, the 14 to 16. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. 
struggling to put sin to death, will be encouraged because it clearly means that you're being led by the Spirit. How so? Look at the Spirit's work here. The Spirit, instead of producing a fear of God's judgment, because you know you still sin, because you know it still has a, a hold on you, because it's, it's still warm and it pulls you back and it, it makes you feel good. But the Spirit, instead of producing a fear of God's judgment, what does the Spirit do? The Spirit assures us of who we are, assures you of who you are. You know, that song, we, we don't sing it here. Maybe we can't sing it because it's, uh, it's too complex. I, I don't know. It's a good song. I'm no longer a slave to sin. Or to fear, isn't it? Sorry, I wrote it down wrong. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. That's Romans 8 in these verses. What does fear do? It keeps us guessing. Fear keeps us guessing whether we've really been changed. But the Spirit does not bring about fear. See, fear has the ability to to undermine the Christian who hates their inability to be a constant follower of God. The, The fear has that ability to undermine the Christian who hates their inability to be a constant follower of God. I'm guessing that's you. You hate your inability to be a constant and consistent follower of God. Fear has the ability to undermine your position. But what does the Spirit do? The Spirit causes you and I to cry out to the Father, to cry out, Abba. Abba, Father. The word Abba is not a cosy, sentimental utterance. Do you know, it, 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 it kind of does mean daddy, but not in the, 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 the sense of a, a warm infant cry. It, it's a cry of agony in the heat of battle. That's the word Abba. In fact, it's the same cry that Jesus gave in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mark 14, verse 35, Jesus fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. A cry of trust in seemingly overwhelming circumstances. That's Abba. Back to the gossip scenario. Oh wow, I'd love to pass that bit of information on that I've received. I'd love to tell someone the news I've just heard. But the conviction, the conviction kicks in. And it kicks in when I cry out like Jesus. A cry of agony in the heat of battle. I would love to pass that information on. Abba, Father, oh help me. Oh, help me. Oh, that I would just wander back into uh, that, rea- that realm of flesh just for a moment because it would be just so lovely to talk to the person about what I heard of that other person. Oh, Abba, Father, please help me. That's the work of the Spirit. Because the Spirit... 
has made you a child of God and keeps reminding you that you are a child of God and therefore the obligation kicks in, cry out to him. In those moments this week when you're tempted beyond, beyond temptation and you moments from giving in to whatever it is. Abba, Father, as cried Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And let's wrap this up. Look at verse 17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. We're not going to touch on sufferings this week because there's plenty more uh, to come in future weeks, next week in particular. But, but look at those first words. Now, if we are children, of course we are. But we're not just children, says Paul. We're, we're heirs. See, in Roman society, adopted children get the same privileges as, as natural children. Paul gives us remarkable assurance. If we're battling to do what pleases God, we're led by the Spirit, Paul has said. If we have the Spirit of God in us, then we are children of God. And if we are children of God, we share in the in- inheritance. Times you're shaken in your faith because of your inability to stop sinning. Paul says that a struggle against sin is evidence of your status as a child of God. Do you remember what we said? If there was a button that you could press on this lectern, and if you press that button, you'd never sin again. Would you want to press it? If you're in Christ, there's no doubt. You come rushing to press it. Paul says that a struggle against sin is evidence of our status as a child of God. And so with this encouragement comes serious responsibility to fight sin, to rage against the machine of the flesh. We know he's not our, ma- his, our master anymore, but he, he's, he's still raging. We know we're in a battle. And Paul is saying, don't dawdle don't be half-hearted fight avoid circumstances that will put you in jeopardy constantly depend on God and the work of the spirit in your lives keep coming to town church ground you in a place where people are going to ask you hard questions keep you accountable keep asking you how you're doing with sin and keep pointing to the work of the spirit that says who you are oh how we need to dwell on this I've had a sad week, I think. Just drove Corabel back from swimming today and I told her I was going to tell her this story so that she was ready for it. Just got a call from a mate I used to play football with and he said, oh, it's really sorry to be the bearer of bad news. But you know David Wilkes, our coach for six years, died. He's dead. He's dead. I remember speaking to David Wilkes about two years ago and he used to love Jesus. He used to be involved in the church back in Carlisle and two years ago uh, he said, oh, I've, I've lost my faith, Lance. I don't trust anymore. 58 years old, David Wilkes hung himself on Wednesday. Oh, how I need to dwell on Romans 8. I'm a child of his. There's no condemnation. Now I dread, but there's an obligation to keep fighting, to keep working. I need friends 
who are going to challenge me and love me and keep me on course and say, don't you dare. Don't you dare wander off from trusting in Jesus. Don't you dare find a place back over there in the red hoop. Don't you dare because you've got everything to lose. Oh, when I come to Romans 8 and think that it's been done for me. Paul says, keep on, keep battling, keep fighting, keep going to the very end. I'm going to pray. And we're going to sing, we're going to sing of a song that confirms exactly what we believe. I don't think we've sung this recently at Town Church. But we're going to sing of the truths that we know of. In case we forget, dare we forget, lest we forget. And so John's going to come up as I pray and we'll sing these truths together. Oh, Father, we thank you for these wonderful words. The words that speak of the reality of the believer that trusts in you. The reality of my friends here, brothers and sisters here that I know and those that I don't that have come to visit. Oh, how we long to be found in you, to trust in you where there is no condemnation. Where the spirit wonderfully continues to do its work in our hearts, enables us to put sin to death and makes me a child of God and keeps reminding me, not with a spirit of fear, but with a spirit that cries, Abba, Father, O Lord, would you drive these words deep into our hearts, that we would keep trusting you, that we would never, ever forsake you or give up the faith. We ask that you would help us to that end. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand if we're able and let's join together in singing this song.